I think it's important that we respect the Constitution and allow for there to be that freedom of expression. Protects children from the addictive and harmful social media platforms. The mystery is why Netflix hasn't been passing along this tax to customers. From the fourth floor of the Capitol Rotunda, you're listening to WFSU Public Media's Capitol Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. A grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley. Supporting public radio and taking time to care. On the web at searcylaw.com. This is Capital Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Among today's capital action, the Florida Supreme Court will review the ballot language tomorrow for a proposed constitutional amendment that explicitly protects access to abortion. Regan McCarthy reports the language specifies Floridians have the right to abortion up until the point of viability, but opponents say the word viability isn't clear. Ellen Bartelemy is a lawyer representing Floridians Protecting Freedom, the group leading the push for the amendment. She says the court is not charged with weighing the merits of the ballot initiative. Instead, case law dictates justices should only strike down amendments that are clearly and conclusively defective. And really what that means is whether or not they mislead voters. So the ballot summary says something that's not actually in the constitutional text or hides something in the constitutional text. That's not happening here because the two are nearly identical. Bartelemy says the court will also consider whether the amendment involves more than one subject. She says that's not a concern with this proposal since it's clearly about abortion. The ballot language for the proposal reads in part, quote, No law shall prohibit, penalize, delay, or restrict abortion before viability or when necessary to protect the patient's health as determined by the patient's health care provider. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody argues the word viability is unclear and says the amendment could be interpreted more broadly than voters might intend. Bartholomew is surprised by that. It's really surprising since viability in the abortion context has always meant the stage of fetal development when the life of a fetus is sustainable outside the womb. Bartholomew says that's how viability is defined in the dictionary, on Wikipedia, and by state and federal courts. So it's very hard to make the argument that it's a term that is not, does not have a clear meaning because it's had that meaning since 1973 since Roe v. Advocates say moving the amendment forward is an important part of protecting abortion access throughout the Southeast. Florida is one of the few remaining states in the region that allows abortions after six weeks. Lauren Brinzel, the campaign director for Floridians Protecting Freedom, says if that changes, people will have to drive states away to get access to abortion. If you consider what it looks like for a patient in Miami to get to North Carolina, if they could even get an appointment in North Carolina because it's not as large of a state as Florida, that is an incredible barrier. No matter what means you have, if you can get time off on your job, if you can secure childcare, even with all those factors in place, you would still have to travel states and states and states away. Adding more urgency to the issue is a separate case pending before the state Supreme Court. Right now in Florida, most abortions are banned after 15 weeks. Justices heard arguments against that law last year and could rule at any time. If they uphold the 15-week ban, that ruling would then trigger a six-week ban in Florida. 
In the case pending before the court, abortion access advocates argue the state constitution protects the right to abortion under a privacy clause. The court has pointed to that provision in the past when it handed down a ruling protecting the right to abortion access. But Fort Pierce Republican Senator Aaron Grawl says that's not what was intended when voters added the privacy clause to the Constitution. The history of that privacy clause and the way it's been interpreted also suggests that the court just got it wrong. That's Grawl speaking back in 2022 when she helped pass the abortion limits through the legislature. Grawl says she expects the Supreme Court justices to overturn their previous finding, rule the privacy clause does not protect abortion, and uphold the 15-week ban, triggering a six-week ban. Abortion access advocates say that's why their amendment is needed, because it explicitly protects abortion and it can't be interpreted in a different way. If the court approves the ballot language, voters will have a chance to weigh in on the proposed amendment in November. At least 60% of voters will have to approve the measure for it to pass. I'm Regan McCarthy. Legislation loosening Florida's defamation standards is getting opposition from a prominent conservative group. Tristan Wood has more. The proposal will allow journalists to get sued if they publish false information from a single anonymous source. This is the second year the legislature has tried to pass a bill loosening defamation standards. The bill has garnered steep opposition from progressive and First Amendment advocacy groups, but the prominent conservative organization Americans for Prosperity has also come out against it. Chris Strandberg works with the group. He thinks the bill opens the state up to out-of-state civil filings and violations of Supreme Court First Amendment precedent. And by creating an objective test that says actual malice is going to be uh, presumed here, uh, you're going against that and risking... uh, risking unconstitutional, having this law being struck down as unconstitutional. But the court's stance on defamation could change. Three current U.S. Supreme Court justices have said they think existing defamation standards applied to the media are too broad. Opponents of the bill are standing behind calls to protect the First Amendment. Orlando Democratic Representative Anna Escamani says she opposes the bill even though she has been the subject of harmful, anonymously sourced statements from political blogs. I, I have to... Uh, side with my First Amendment advocates on this. And I think it's really important to preserve the ability for people to do that, even as much as it irritates me. Um, I think it's important that we respect the Constitution and allow for there to be that freedom of expression. Pensacola Republican Representative Alex Andrade says his bill will not infringe on people's rights to express opinions. He says the goal is to provide more redress when people publish false statements. You're entitled to really ignorant opinions. What you're not entitled to do What this bill does not change is the fact that when someone makes a false statement of fact to harm your reputation, you should be allowed to seek redress in courts because you've suffered actual damages. The bill has currently been receiving support in committee along party lines. I'm Tristan Wood. Florida senators are taking a crack at a bipartisan move to block kids under the age of 16 from having their own social media accounts. While some have raised concerns the measure could be overreaching, Adrian Andrews reports the bill's sponsor hopes her proposal can thread the needle. Fort Pierce Republican Senator Erin Grawl is sponsoring her chamber's version of the bill. It largely mirrors what representatives in the House passed last month. The bill would bar kids under 16 from using social media platforms. She says the bill centers on apps that utilizes addictive, harmful, or deceptive design features 
or any other feature that is designed to cause an account holder to have an excessive or compulsive need to use or engage with the social media platform. Grawl says the purpose of her bill isn't to ban minors from social media because of explicit content. It's due to certain features apps like Snapchat, TikTok, or Instagram uses to attract kids. Similar bills in other states have faced legal pushback, but Grawl believes her, quote, narrow approach will hold up in court. There are some things that are similar. Um, this legislation, we've also attempted to um, learn from the mistakes of those that go before you and see what it is that has caused a court to strike down a decision, a bill or language like this in other states. Meanwhile, another bill that puts restrictions on how kids use technology is making its way through the Senate. That measure would require manufacturers of smartphones and tablets to include filters that prevent youngsters from accessing materials that may be harmful. I'm Adrian Andrews. Well, there's a coming attraction for Netflix subscribers in Florida. It isn't a horror story, but it is kind of a mystery. Here's WLRN senior economics editor Tom Hudson. In a world where video streaming platforms rule, the tax man cometh. It's been there, lurking for years, unseen by Florida's Netflix subscribers. But now, it's time for subscribers to pay. Ta-da! If you subscribe to Netflix using a Florida billing address, you have probably seen the notification that beginning February 15th, you will be charged an additional state services tax. Now, the tax is not new, but Netflix passing it on to subscribers is. The tax dates back to 2001 on cell phone service and satellite and cable TV subscriptions. In 2012, the tax was extended to include streaming services. Well, I think we skipped a part. Oh? Well, which part? The part where you tell me what the hell is going on here. The mystery is why Netflix hasn't been passing along this tax to customers. The company didn't answer that question in a statement emailed to WLRN. The State Department of Revenue didn't provide any answers either, only saying the taxpayer information is confidential. Chances of success are 20 to 1. Never tell me the odds. So next week, Florida Netflix subscribers will see an additional 5.07% tacked on to their bill for the state portion of the communication services tax. Oh my God. But that's not the only tax that will show up. Local governments may also charge their own communications tax. I'm Tom Hudson in Miami. Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Gina Jordan, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, Margie Menzel, and Tristan Wood. Thanks also to Tom Hudson. Shows are available Monday through Thursday by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wherever you get your podcasts. On many of these Florida public radio stations, you can tune in each Friday to catch the latest on all things happening at the Capitol. That show's also available in podcast form. Technical assistance comes from Taylor Cox, and I'm Tom Flanagan. This is Capital Report, the podcast from WFSU Public Media. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. A grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley. Supporting public radio and taking time to care. On the web at searcylaw.com. Capital Report is a production of WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee.